Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm the type of person who likes to find a word or a phrase in scripture readings that jump out at me. I focus on the phrase and try to open my heart to God, speaking to me through those words. Our gospel lesson this evening is once again from Mark. And once again, it's quite short. It's just seven verses long and all. The style is direct and super concentrated. Within this brief passage, there were a number of words and phrases that, at least to me, jumped from the text. Now, after John was arrested, the time is fulfilled. Repent and believe in the good news. Follow me. Immediately. They left their father and followed him. There's a process of spiritual reading, which is known as Lectio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading. It is a slow, contemplative praying of the scriptures. The goal is not to cover a certain amount of text, but to put yourself in a quiet and comfortable place and to read the scripture slowly and deliberately as you savor the words. You give yourself quiet periods of silence where you reflect on the words you have read. You may take a phrase and repeat it, memorize it and meditate upon it. You let the scriptures and God speak to you and you listen attentively. It is a process of meditation, reflection, study, and prayer. If ever there is a passage that lends itself to this practice, it is these six lines from the first chapter of Mark tonight. Tonight, however, as we look at this passage as a community, I hope that we will not focus on any one collection of words. I hope we will see them as in dialogue with each other and fully connected to the larger point of the story. Those of you who have ever lived with me or spent any time with me would certainly be able to tell that I hate alarm clocks. I despise them. I, I understand their necessity and I use them, of course, but I just think they are awful and they go contrary to the way I function. I prefer to take my time. I like to multitask, even though I often fail to do it well. I don't like to rush things. The alarm clock is noisy, unwelcoming, and says there's a task that you have to take on, and you have to do it now. Our gospel tonight is much like an alarm clock. Without warning or explanation, we are told that John was arrested. Jesus came to Galilee and says the time is fulfilled and calls us to repent and believe. All of this happens in one sentence. Jesus then calls two pairs of fishermen brothers, and they immediately follow him. All this is fast and sudden. Like an alarm clock, Mark declares the time and demands a response. It's easy to read these words and think of these events as mere action. But that doesn't do the passage justice. While everything is very quick and sudden, this is the beginning of the beginning. 
When we look at the call that Jesus gives to the disciples, we will see that they are not called to a task. They are called, rather, to an identity. Christ says, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of people. He does not say that he will make them fish. Rather, he says that he will make them become fishers. He is not simply giving them a task that they can place upon their to-do list. Buy milk, clean the fridge, fish for people, make a dentist appointment. He's calling them to a new identity, a new way to live and understand their role in the world. As Christians, we are not called to embrace a moment. We are called to embrace a life. Some churches like to focus on a singular moment, action, or decision. The belief that we can make a decision to be born again and that it is the summit of our spiritual life. Elton W. Brown reminds us that we cannot view our faith with this limitation, for Christianity is always both for now and for the long haul, both a moment and a lifetime. Jesus' mission in challenge he gives to his disciples is to call people to repentance. Sometimes I think we try to ignore this fact. We say, we're basically good people. This, this doesn't apply for us. Repentance is for the godless, for those who have committed horrible acts, war criminals, terrorists, the, the violent, the overly bitter and angry. That's the easy way, but it is not the Christian way. Christ has called each of us, you and me alike, to repentance and belief. That is a total reorientation of our lives so as to accept God and God's law totally and without reservation. We don't have to view ourselves as evil, bad, or unholy to recognize the need to repent. We just have to realize that we are human and imperfect that we are clay in the hands of the potter, capable of shifting, changing shape, and being perfected. When we examine our own beliefs and attitudes, the way we interact with other people, the way we hold on to our own gifts and blessings, the way we take more than our fair share of the Earth's resources, the way we accept stereotypes, the way we watch people use and abuse others without speaking out. We know we have things to repent for. When we sit and examine our conscience, when we prepare ourselves for the sacrament of reconciliation, we have the opportunity to discover those ways we can repent and become more faithful followers of Jesus. If you notice, in the Gospel tonight, the only one who did any talking is Jesus. Before he performed any miracles that would validate his identity, he called simple fishermen who would fail him time after time in the days ahead. He did not promise them a title. He did not promise them a pay raise. He did not say it would be easy. He called them on a path that ultimately led to their martyrdom and death. But he called them. They didn't have to be proven worthy. 
These first bishops were deemed worthy simply because Jesus called them. Two thousand years later, through the words of scriptures and the whisperings of the Holy Spirit in our own lives, God calls you, and God calls me. He calls us to repent, to believe, to reorient our lives and become fishers. Like Jesus and his disciples, we will experience resistance, and like them we cannot be both Christians and passive recipients of God's favor. We have each been called. We each have a vocation. I hope that you will listen to how God has called you to live, both within the life of this community and our greater world. Do you have a vocation to holy orders, to serve as a priest or deacon? Do you have a vocation to be a catechist and teach others about our faith? Do you have a vocation to share your talents and skills? To be the one to welcome a friend in need into the faith life of this church? Do you have a vocation to help seniors, children, the ill, those who struggle with addictions, or those who are lonely? We are each called to something. Listen to the whisperings of God in your own life. Despite your reservations and doubts, take courage, drop your own nets, and follow the path that Christ has for you. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Come, follow me.